And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Welcome to this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. This program is dedicated to going out to the highways and hedges and compelling people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Join your host, Tony Miano, and his team of street fishermen as they find people on the streets with whom to share the gospel. No scripts, no planning, no preparation. Just impromptu gospel conversations with random people out there in a world in desperate need of the Savior. So, until the nets are full, let's go fishing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be for you and wherever you are as you listen to this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. I am your host, Tony Miano. Welcome. Uh, today I'm going to introduce you to another one of our street fishermen, Chris Lapata, who is down in the Pensacola, Florida area. Uh, Chris is going to uh, be out there on the beach during this episode and he finds uh, a person by the name of Joseph who is willing to get on the phone and talk to me. Uh, now, you're going to hear some wind noise because it is the beach, uh, and we try to minimize that the best we can, but hey, this isn't perfect. Uh, so it might be a little challenging to hear uh, at times, uh, especially uh, Joseph, but you will be able to hear him. You'll just need to pay attention and listen carefully. So you might not want to be uh, out on your mountain bike or on the treadmill. Uh, you might want to be sitting somewhere quiet. Uh, to hear this particular conversation, but you will be able to understand what Joseph is saying. I'm pretty confident of that. Joseph's is what I would call a jailhouse conversion. Now, that could be a very positive thing, obviously, if someone comes to genuine repentance and faith in Christ, or that could be a negative thing if uh, all that's accomplished is the creation of a false convert. Uh, when I started my career with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department as a deputy sheriff, I spent the first four plus years working in the L.A. County Jail system. And uh, in fact, uh, that is where I would hear the gospel from one of my sergeants working in the jail. Uh, is the first time I would hear the gospel and the Lord would use that to bring me to genuine repentance and faith in Christ about a year after I graduated from the academy and was working in the jails. And uh, not long after I came to faith in Christ, well, I was sharing the gospel as best I could. Uh, I, <laughs> I shudder sometimes wondering what some of my conversations were like 30-some uh, years ago when I first came to faith in Christ. Uh, but I was sharing the gospel with uh, inmates and with, with deputies uh, as well. And uh, you know, certainly in custody facilities, whether prisons or county jails, and what have you. There are chaplaincy programs. Uh, there are religious services for the inmates. And uh, many inmates will take advantage of that simply because they want to get out of their cell or their dorm. They will raise their hands and sing hallelujah for a half hour or maybe just sit in the back and be very, very quiet because they just wanted to get out of their dorm or their cell. Uh, others, though, uh, will hear the true gospel in those settings and uh, the Lord will save them. They will come to genuine repentance and faith in Christ. Now, with uh, any kind of custody setting, not only are there ministries that are bringing the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ into those environments, but of course, uh, every false gospel you can think of is also making its way into those environments. So, you're going to hear uh, Joseph's testimony, uh, certainly at least part of it, which includes uh, coming to faith in Christ uh, while uh, in a custody setting, at least making a profession of faith in Christ. Uh, he was exposed to an organization called Teen Challenge, which was started many years ago by a man named David Wilkerson. And uh, Joseph has uh, been a follower of Christ for all of eight months, so a relatively, uh, a relatively new convert. So you're going to hear this conversation with Joseph now, and uh, and when that conversation is finished, uh, then I'm going to get uh, Chris back on the phone and see what his first experience of street fishing was like for him. And uh, once I talk to Chris for a little bit, then we will chalk talk the conversation with Joseph. 
So here we go. Here's my conversation with Joseph on the beach in Pensacola, Florida. All right, I've got uh, Chris Lapata on the phone. Chris, where are you today? Hey, Tony, we're in downtown Pensacola, just off the water. And uh, what's uh, what's it like in Pensacola, Florida today? It's absolutely beautiful. We had some storms come through earlier, but right now it's uh, bright sunshine and blue skies. It's, it's beautiful. Couldn't be any better. Oh, great. All right, uh, who do you got there with you? Okay, I've got Joseph with me. Um, he is 38 years old. He's self-employed, just started a business um, recently. He uh, was baptized about seven months ago, and he is a Christian, and he said he would be willing to talk. He said, uh, actually, it was uh, felt like it was a God thing because uh, he, he would love to talk about his faith. So he was the second person I talked to, and he was willing to talk. All right, great. Well, uh, go ahead and uh, hand Joseph the phone, and let's have a conversation. Sounds good, Tony. Yes, sir. How are you? Hi, Joseph. Uh, my name's Tony. I want to thank you for uh, giving us a little bit of your time and being willing to uh, to talk to me on the phone. What what was Joseph? What was the first thought that came to your mind when Chris walked up to you and said, "Hey, you want to be on a podcast?" That's kind of wasn't that. It was just he said something about you know uh, my beliefs in Christianity, and I just and I just thought it was kind of a coincidence. I'm out here with my girlfriend for a doctor's visit and. I just recently got saved about seven months ago, and I've got one heck of a testimony, like one thing after another, and just how God really, you know, he's been with me the whole time, my whole entire life, and I just didn't really realize it until here recently. And he's been blessing me over and over and over every day with work and good people to live with and, and a good environment and just nothing but positive. You know, I try to smile. I write a little bit every morning. Too, and so... I told him I'd talk to him. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris, uh, I, I don't know if you're moving or if you're moving the phone away from your face or your mouth, but you, yeah. seem, to be, you seem to be moving in and out. So if you can keep the phone uh, close okay. to you, that way I, I want to make sure I can hear every word you say. All right. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So, so share with me in a few minutes here, uh, share with me your testimony. How did you come to faith in Christ? All right, this is uh, my dad's a Marine Corps drill instructor. So I was born in Los Angeles, California. Um, I was actually born in an earthquake in Los Angeles, California. And that's just just part of it, you know. And I, I moved all over the place. Um, I had leukemia when I was six years old. I had to learn how to walk again. I went through chemo. I beat that. Um, about seven years ago, I was in a jet ski accident down here in Panama City, Florida, and broke my back, wasn't supposed to walk again, and walked out the hospital. I got stabbed in just a horrific accident. Um, about a year ago, I was in a coma for 15 days and 47 minutes without oxygen in my brain, and I woke right up out of it, and I've been in some car accidents, just, just you know, just situations and stuff that I've, that I've been in. And I used to be poor me, poor me, all that. But uh, I ended up doing about two and a half years in the county jail. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I went up to go to the restroom, and I found an application for Teen Challenge faith-based rehab on the floor on the way to the to the urinal. And I picked it up, and I ended up filling it out with a pink um, color pencil, turned it in, um, went to rehab, did a year in rehab. And found God. I got saved about seven months ago, and come out of there, and I went straight into sober living house. So I did never had to go to the streets or nothing. And then I got surrounded by really good, solid people. I started going to church in my father's vineyard. Um, and just I get up every morning. I read my daily bread. I try to sacrifice a little bit of time and just read the Bible, and then I, I pray constantly. You know, even with my eyes open doing out of room, sometimes I pray. And um, every every single day has been just absolutely wonderful. You know, in the jail time and everything else, and it's just made open my eyes to the to the smaller things in life that that people take for granted. And then everybody's always pitying me and this and that instead of just looking at all the what's what you know my food. I got food in my stomach. I got a roof over my head, and I got loving people in my you know around me and. It's you know everything's just great. Okay. Wow, that's uh, that, that's quite a story. And again, uh, uh, Joseph, I just want to remind you try to try to keep that phone uh, close to your mouth so that 
so that I could hear you real well. Um, yes, sir. So, all right, so Joseph, let's, uh, so you said you did two years in the county jail. What What was that behind? I was, uh, I never used drugs before I was like 35, and I was an IV methamphetamine user. Um, I, I just made a mistake. You know, I got a divorce. I was married 15 years. I got a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old. And I just caught, caught up with the wrong people at the wrong time, you know, and I, just, I, and I got in some trouble and stuff like that. But that's what all led me to, you know, it led me to jail. It led me to that application. It led me to God. You know, everything, to me, everything happens for a reason. You know, it puts people in your places for, for a reason. It puts people in your walk, in your path, like this guy talking to me just now. He put me there for a reason. You know, and everything's for a reason. So, but I also, so Joseph, I mean, I play baseball at Florida State. I've had my own restaurant. I've been very successful. I got two college degrees. I got an aviation degree, an associate's in applied science. So, I mean, I've had plenty of success in my life, and I just made some really big mistakes. But with uh, all that, I didn't have God in my corner, and now I do. And yeah. I'm gonna be very dangerous with it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Joseph, are you uh, you having quite a bit of wind there? Do you, are you still in the wind? Yes, sir. I'm like on the bay, but oh. we're behind the building. Okay. Well, I, I was able to hear you real well just then. So whatever you just did <laughs> when you were talking to me, keep yeah, doing that. There down. you go. Yeah, I squatted down. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So Joseph, let's uh, let's do this. Um, I, I want to go through a little bit of role playing with you. Give me a, a better, a little better, since we don't know each other. You don't know me. I don't know you. Uh, this is yes, going to give both of us a little better idea of what of what we both believe. Um, let's say, Joseph, that that you and I uh, shared a, a cell or a dorm in the county jail, and yes, and you you came to you came to faith in Christ. Uh, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you know that I haven't. And I come to you one day. I notice maybe there's something different about you. Maybe there's something different about your countenance or the way you're talking. And, and I come to you one day, Joseph, and, and I say, what is it? You know, what what is it that's that's happened to you? And what is it that I'm what is it that I'm missing? And when I ask you that, Joseph, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to communicate the gospel to me. How would you lead me to faith in Christ? I'll just tell you to to pick up the word and 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 read it and then every you know to like to me every time I read something I can read a different book in the Bible. Every time you read it, 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 it it's different, you know, versus your situation and your circumstances and just. And I use it like as a guide, just of how to treat people, how to, you know, smile and 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 it's when you can feel it when you really believe in you, you know. It's just I don't know what how to I don't know when I was in county jail. That's kind of how there was an ex football player named um, Alexander. He was a running back for Alabama, and he gave me my first Bible. And he told me to read it and a little bit, you know, at a time. But any questions, you know, and I just got into there and got into the book, the story. But it's all a lesson on how to, how to, how to live, you know, and how to act, and how to love, and and it will change your life. You know, it will change your life. All right, so so Joseph, let's say that I I take your advice. I I get a hold of the Bible from the chaplain and. And uh, and I start to read it, and I still don't get it. Uh, I still don't know what I have to do to uh, to be made right with God. Uh, I need you to just tell me what is it? What is it that? What is the gospel? What do I need to know? You have to sit down and ask for God's forgiveness and for Him to come into your heart and for you to and just to be with you and then pray for your enemies and pray and let all the past go. And live one day at a time, and just and just and and you know, read into it, get into it. it it'll grab a hold of you, you know. I just, I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm new to this. I'm not really. My family went to church my whole life, uh-huh. you know. And this, but I just know that all these little things are happening for a reason, and mm-hmm. it's all to put me where I'm at right now. 
And ever since I've picked that Bible up and tried to just, and at the start off with, I just picked, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. But the more I read, the more interesting it got into me and the more I learned from it. And just like going to church, you know, I go to church is not about the, about the, you know, going just going to church is about what he's teaching. He's teaching you a lesson. Apply that lesson during that week. And if you just do the little tiny things, I mean, life does get better. And then it's, I just get up and smile at the stuff that I used to just look bad at. You know, I mean, it's so. Um, so, how long ago again was it, Joseph, that uh, that you that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I've been saved probably about eight months ago. Eight months, eight okay. Months ago. Yes, and and are you part of a local church down there in Pensacola? I go to my I go to my father's vineyard. Okay, all right. The awesome church, so, the bikers. Uh, he's a uh, the pastor is Pastor West. He's a recovering addict, and he was a motorcycle club. You know, he was in a motorcycle club. He's an awesome, awesome preacher. All right, so now now we're gonna now we're gonna switch, uh, same same scenario, but but um, uh, but we're gonna switch sides now in a sense. And, and are you able to hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you fine. Okay, great. Okay, so now now we're we're Sellies again at the county jail. Uh, this time now I'm the Christian, and and you're my. You're my bunkie, you're my celly, and you're not a Christian. And you come to me the same way I came to you, okay? Yes. Okay, so here's, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say to you. Um, I, I, first of all, I'd say, uh, Joseph, you and I, as human beings, you and I were both created in the image of God. We might be different people, different backgrounds, different circumstances we're in jail for different reasons maybe there's a lot that's different about us but one thing that you and i have in common is that we are both created in the image of god we are image bearers of the one and only god and because of that there are a couple of other things that you and i have in common you and i both know god exists because God testifies to the reality of his existence in creation. And, uh, and we also both have God's law written on our heart. God's given both of us a conscience. And obviously, you and I have violated that conscience. Look where we are. We're sharing yeah. a cell in the county jail. But you and I both know the difference between right and wrong. It doesn't matter how we were raised, when we were raised, where we were raised, by who we were raised. We both know the difference between right and wrong because God's written his law in our heart. Uh, for example, you and I both know it's wrong to lie. Uh, yeah, you can, you can feel the conviction. You know what I'm Well, sure. I, I say so. Yeah, and, and often... I, I, I get convicted about a lot of stuff, anything, okay. thoughts, you know, sometimes... Yeah, that's a, right. Sure. That's our conscience at work. And, and we know that lying is wrong because the God who created us isn't a liar. Uh, we know it's wrong. We know it's wrong to steal, uh, whether it's to, to put food in our stomach or to support a habit. We know that's wrong because the God who created us isn't a thief. We know it's we know it's wrong to hate another human being for any reason. Uh, whether it's because of the color of their skin or because of yeah. what gr group they run with or because they did us wrong or whatever it might be, we know that's wrong, not because, again, because of how we were raised or where we were raised, but because the God who created us is not a murderer at heart. Yeah, and God, wrong to kill too. Right, and yeah. Six God, command, six commandments. That's God's right, and... That's right. And God sees hatred as a violation of that sixth commandment. He, uh, the word of God says, whoever hates his brother is oh, yeah. a murderer. You love, you, love, you, love, you love and pray for your enemies. That's something that I do a lot. Right, right. Uh, we know it's wrong to look with lust. We know it's wrong yeah. to have sex out of outside of marriage. We know that. 
because the God who created us is not a fornicator or an adulterer like so many of us can be. And so, Joseph, one day you're going to die and stand before your creator, the God who has written his law in your heart, his law in your heart. And he's going to judge you according to that law, according to that perfect moral standard. And because he's good, because he's holy and righteous and just, he's going to find you guilty of violating that law in thought, word, or in deed. And because he's good, because he is holy and righteous and just, he must punish that sin. He must punish that law-breaking just as a good judge in a courtroom is going to punish someone who comes into his courtroom having violated the law. And the punishment the punishment that God has determined for the violation of his law, the, um, the punishment God has determined for all sin is eternity in hell. Now, obviously, uh, Joseph, I don't want that for you as, as my celly. You know, we've gotten to know each other. Uh, we get along. I care about you as a human being. The last thing I want for you is for you to face God's wrath and punishment in hell. And this same God, Joseph, who is angry with the wicked every day, whose wrath, whose holy anger abides upon the ungodly, who will one day judge the whole world in righteousness, this same God is also loving, merciful, gracious, and kind. And he and he showed that great love some 2,000 years ago when God the Father sent his son to earth. Yeah, sacrificed himself on the on the cross for our sins. Right, God the Father uh, um, sent His Son to Earth in the person of Jesus Christ, truly God, truly man, without sin. He lived a perfect life from cradle to grave for some thirty-three years that you and I can't live for thirty-three seconds. And then, and then He voluntarily went to that Roman cross where He suffered and died a horrific, bloody death He did not deserve to take upon himself the punishment you and I rightly deserve for our sins against God. And then he forever defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. And what God commands of you, Joseph, is the same thing he commands of me and every other human being. And that is by faith, we repent, we turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. And if God, who is rich in mercy does that miraculous work in you and literally causes you to be born again, born from above. He is going to take your heart of stone. He's going to give you a heart of flesh. You're going to begin to love the things that God loves. You're going to begin to hate the things that God hates, namely your own sin. You'll have the assurance of forgiveness for your sin, not because you're good, but because of the goodness of God. That would allow his son to die. That would allow his son to die for sinners like us. And you'll have the assurance of eternal life. You'll be reconciled to the God you've spent your life offending by your sin. And you'll have the assurance of eternal life. Again, not because of anything you have done to earn it or deserve it, but because of the grace and mercy of God that would allow his one and only perfect and precious and priceless son to die for a sinner like you and a sinner like me. So put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation while God's given you time. Now, now in hearing that, Joseph, is there anything you heard that you do not believe? No, sir. And is, and is, that, is that the gospel that you believe today? That's what I believe. I believe in you. If you believe in it, and if you ask for forgiveness, and you try to be good to other people, good things will happen to you. Okay. Now, um, now I want to, uh, as in a sense, as an older brother in the faith, I've been walking with the Lord now for over 30 years. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it promise that if you do good things, good things will happen to you. The Bible doesn't promise. The Bible doesn't promise. That that. In, in my circumstances, I turned stuff around and then believed. You know, just even in my bad days, I think you know, I lived with a couple of recovering addicts. And you know, I, 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 
okay taking it one day at a time, taking one hour at a time, you know, one second at a time, one minute at a time. Sure. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. Um, Try to look at the good in everything. Right. Right. We, uh, the Bible does teach that we are to be content in our circumstances, no matter what our yeah. circumstances are. But we we need to also be very, very careful that we don't make promises to people that God hasn't promised in his word. For example, if if we go to somebody on death row and we say to them, hey, man, if you do good things, good things are going to happen to you while he's waiting, while he's waiting to be escorted into another room, strapped to a gurney. And put to sleep like a stray dog. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't make sense. Jesus, yeah. Jesus even said, "Look, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." And what Jesus received in this life for living a perfect life, Jesus was the only one who ever walked on this planet who was actually good. But Jesus said, "You are to be perfect." as your heavenly father is perfect. He's the only one who ever lived up to that standard. And what he received for living up to that standard was to be nailed to a cross. Um, Think of, and think of the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus. Uh, There there was a thief on both sides of him. Yeah. They both hurled insults at him. They both mocked him. But before he died, one of them comes to his senses, is literally brought to his senses, brought to repentance by God. And he says to the other thief, hey, we deserve what's happening to us. But this man, he doesn't deserve what's happening to him. And he looks at Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, And Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. What Jesus didn't what Jesus didn't say to him was, Man, if you do good, good things are gonna happen to you. That guy was dying. He was nailed yeah. to a tree. He was nailed to a dirty, filthy tree as a common criminal, and he was about to die. So this this idea that if we do good things, good things will happen. In fact, uh, it, it, it's just not in the Bible. In fact, Jesus said, "Know that if they if know that if people hate you, they hated me first. And, and Jesus promised, Jesus promised that his people would be persecuted. He didn't promise them their best life now. He didn't promise them health, wealth, or um, prosperity. He didn't promise them that they wouldn't come down with diseases. He didn't promise them that they wouldn't be uh, falsely accused of crimes and, and thrown into jail. He didn't promise them that they wouldn't be persecuted or lose their livelihood or lose their home. In fact, Jesus said, Joseph, whoever is unwilling to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me is yeah. unworthy to be my disciple. And so the the promise, though, the great promises of God through faith in Christ is a future hope. It's an eternal hope. It's the promise of forgiveness. It's the promise of reconciliation. It's the promise of eternity in heaven. And it is those promises that we should look to and the promises that we should point others to. So that no matter what happens in this life, the Christian, the, the follower, life. right, the Christian, the follower of Christ, can actually experience joy in the midst of any kind of trial, because their hope isn't in their comfort here on earth. In the ending, on the ending, is what's going to happen after life? That's right. Their hope is in their hope is in Christ and in Him alone, both in the present and in and in the future. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, Joseph, uh, I I really uh, appreciate you taking so much of your time to talk to me today and to to participate in our podcast. It was good to meet you. Keep your eyes keep your eyes focused on Christ. Okay. Yes, sir. I will. All right. All right. Go ahead and hand that phone back to to Chris. And again. 
Very good talking to you today. Yes, sir. Do y'all have a card or anything like that? Uh, have a local office? Uh, I'm, I'm part of a church out here in Davenport, Iowa, Grace Fellowship, uh, Grace Fellowship Church. But Chris is probably going to give you some information uh, okay. about and, uh, and provide that for you there. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. And I All hope right. you have a great day. You too, Joseph. Thank you. Thank, thank you. All right, Chris has had uh, some uh, time to spend with Joseph after our conversation. I've got Chris back on the phone now. Chris, how did that go? Uh, it went well. We prayed together. I gave him a track, and uh, he asked for my church information, and um, I gave him gave him that, and uh, and it was you know a cordial parting. And so, what uh, uh, were you there with him when he was on the phone with me? Yes, sir. I was just a few feet away. So can you pick up anything from his demeanor, body language, anything? Uh... Yeah, as I was listening, um, he, um, his demeanor did seem to change at some point during the call, uh, call, but he was listening intently. So he was, you know, he was listening to you intently, but uh, I, I did pick up slightly on a, a little bit of, um, in his voice, just a little bit uh, at change at some point in the conversation. And and what was that? What did that uh, seem like to you when you say when you say you picked up a little bit of a change? What describe that if you can? Um, it felt like his answers were getting a little quieter. Um, so so he was a little more vocal towards the beginning of the call. At some mm-hmm. point, uh, it got it got quiet where I couldn't hear you for quite a while, and then and then when he was would answer you, it seemed like his voice was much lower. Um, and and that that's pretty much the 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 thing that I noticed sitting you know hmm. just a few feet away okay uh, so Joseph uh, he, his uh, his testimony is that he got saved about eight months ago and so um, it stands to reason that you know he might not be real fluent in communicating the gospel um, but he really he really wasn't able to communicate the gospel to me at all um, and uh, so probably during that quiet time that you heard, that was probably when I was communicating the gospel to him. And, and, uh, and I asked him at the end, I said, is there anything that I just shared with you that you do not believe? Um, and he said, no, I, he believed everything I shared with him. But one of the things that uh, concerned me a little bit about Joseph is there's a lot of emphasis on, hey, if you do good, good things are going to happen to you. And so actually that, that might've been, that might have been the time when he got real quiet uh, is when I was telling him how the Bible doesn't promise that at all. So, so, right, right. so Chris, what, what was it? This is your first time street fishing. What was it like for you? Uh, there was a little pressure to be honest with you. I was, I was hoping somebody, but this, uh, Joseph was only the second person that I talked to. I stopped and talked to two men that were sitting um, by the water. And then obviously I realized pretty quickly I, I've come down to an area that's windy. And I was thinking, oh, boy, this is not, not going to go well on a phone with wind in the background. <laughs> but uh, he was the second person, and he was very receptive and open to talk. So, um, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was a blessing, to be honest, because I've been praying throughout the day that God would lead me to someone that was, one, willing to, uh, to talk to you, and then, two, obviously receptive to the gospel. So. Yeah, well, amen. Well, it seems as though God answered those prayers. So, hey, buddy, I, I really appreciate you being out there today. Uh, roughing it down there in beautiful Pensacola, Florida, uh, while I while I sit here in the basement in Davenport, Iowa, but I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is beautiful here. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Hey, I, I look forward to fishing again with you soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, Chris. One more thing. Are you guys uh, Are you guys uh, now going out to do some ministry yourself? Um, I've, I've got some tracks. I've got my bag with me. I'm going to go around and just pass a few tracks out. Um, we've got a team of about five or six guys that have been going and everybody couldn't make it today. So I'm kind of on my own, but I'm going to see if I can't go around at least this, uh, this area here. It's called Palafox Pier and, um, pass out some tracks. All right, man. Well, may the Lord bless your efforts and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. All right, buddy. Bye. Bye.
All right, so that was my conversation with Joseph. And uh, again, I want to thank Chris Lapata for being out there doing the street fishing for me out there in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, well done, Chris. <laughs> I remember my first time street fishing for uh, Ray Comfort and Todd Friel back in 2006, 14 years ago. And uh, I'll admit, I was a little bit nervous. Uh, and that was live radio. <laughs> These podcasts, the street fishing podcasts, are are recorded, so we uh, have a little more leeway and, and give and take with uh, setting up when we're doing the street fishing and that sort of thing. But with Way of the Master Radio, it was live radio, and there <laughs> there were times there were times when Ray and Todd would just sit in the studio laughing on air. By the way, laughing on air as they were listening to me with my. Uh, phone on, scrambling, uh, begging and pleading anybody, someone, to get on the phone with Ray and, Ray and Todd. Uh, so so I remember the uh, first time I ever did it that it was a bit nerve-wracking, and I think, I think Chris did a great job. All right, so by way of chalk talk for my conversation with Joseph, there's just a couple of things I want to point out. And I want to begin by reading one of Jesus' parables, which we find in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles handy, you can turn there with me. It is the parable of the weeds, uh, verses 24 through 30. God's Word tells us this. Again, I'm reading out of the ESV. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, uh, I always want to be careful, and if you're out there doing any kind of evangelism, uh, and you're talking to people who... Uh, tell you that they are Christians, that uh, they've made professions of faith in Christ. We want to be careful not to inadvertently injure genuine wheat while rooting out the tares. What do I mean by that? Well, in my efforts to determine uh, whether or not the person I'm talking to, whether it's on this podcast or out on the streets or somewhere else, uh, in my efforts to determine whether or not the person is truly a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, to the extent I'm able to determine that, uh, I want to be careful that that I'm not discouraging a genuine Christian while trying to prove to myself that the person in front of me is a Christian. I've mentioned this before, and I will likely uh, mention it again. There are reoccurring themes in uh, what we do here at the Street Fishing Podcast, uh, but uh, we want to be careful that we take into account the, the person in front of us, their spiritual maturity, where they go to church, uh, how long they've been a Christian, uh, and those sorts of things while we're asking them to articulate the gospel or asking them to share uh, share their testimony. Uh, remember, Joseph said he was converted all of uh, eight months ago, just eight months ago. And that's why when I was communicating the gospel to him, as as you probably heard me do with others on the podcast, I asked him, do you believe what I just told you? Do you believe the gospel I just shared with you? Or is there anything that you just heard that you don't believe? Uh, giving them an opportunity to either affirm the gospel they just heard or to show themselves to believe a, a different gospel. And uh, so that's what I did with Joseph. And he affirmed, uh, he affirmed the gospel I shared with him. Now look, as with everyone else I talked to on the phone, total strangers... I don't know with complete certainty whether a professing Christian is saved or not, whether or not they are uh, born again. The The only one salvation I can have any assurance of is my own. And that could be a challenge from time to time uh, because of the sin of my own life. And so 
I can't say with certainty whether or not Joseph is saved. Uh, what I can say uh, is that he heard the gospel today. He heard the gospel today. Now, something else I want to point out about my conversation with Joseph, and you probably picked this up as well as you were listening. Uh, Joseph is either hearing or has heard uh, your best life now kind of message. Uh, there are times where he seemed to mix a prosperity gospel with karma. Hey, if you do good, good's going to come back to you. And so with so much easy believism being sold in American evangelicalism today, it's so important when we uh, communicate the gospel to people, whether they profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ or not, that we talk to them about counting the cost of following Jesus, uh, telling them that Jesus said that uh, unless you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you're unwilling, you're unfit to be my disciple. There is a cost for following Jesus. It could cost you everything, including your physical life. Just ask Christians living in India or Northern Africa or parts of Asia or South America uh, or parts in between. Uh, there is a cost for following Jesus Christ, and it most certainly is a cost worth paying, not to earn or to keep your salvation, but as a fruit of the salvation God has given you by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And so you heard me communicate some of that to Joseph to try to deal with this uh, false belief that coming to faith in Christ is a guarantee that everything's going to get better. In fact, in all likelihood, in some ways, it might get worse. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy that uh, uh, the genuine follower of Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Whoever seeks to live a godly life will be persecuted. In one way or another, at one time or another, it is going to happen. It's a promise of God. Now, this doesn't mean that God has somehow changed. He remains the great physician. He is certainly able to heal physical maladies. He loves to bless his children with good gifts, but we ought not hold those things out as a carrot to try to convince people to join the Jesus Club. Life could very well get harder instead of easier, but as I explained to Joseph, for the genuine follower of Jesus Christ, their hope is not in this world. Uh, we should, as Christians, be able to consider it all joy whenever we encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And we should be able to count those trials as joy, not fun, but as joy, experiencing joy in the midst of those trials, because our hope is a future hope. It's an eternal hope. It's the hope of salvation that has been secured for us and is guarded for us by God himself in heaven. So quite literally, no matter what the world throws at us, now the world isn't sovereign, God is. Uh, everything that happens in our life uh, for the Christian is for good. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purposes. Everything God does is good because God is good. So everything that is happening in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is good. It is part of God's plan. It is part of his divine providence in our lives. We may find it very difficult at times to see the good in the midst of the trial uh, or the circumstance, but we've got God's word on it that the good is there that God is doing good work in our lives, whether things are going great or things are going in our mind uh, or according to the, the lens that we look through in this temporal life as, as going very badly, as if the world is falling apart around us, we know that the good God who created us is the good God who saved us, is the good God who keeps us, and is the good God who allows trials in our lives to test us, to discipline us, to chastise us if necessary, and to conform us to the image of his Son. And so that's what we should be telling people. Not that, hey, if you come to faith in Jesus, you're going to get off drugs. Hey, if you come to faith in Jesus, your wife's not going to leave you. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, your kids are going to turn out great. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, all your bills are going to be paid. Uh, yeah, that will uh, 
that will sell a lot of books and that will get the guy on uh, quote-unquote Christian television some very fancy suits but it simply isn't what the Bible teaches can God do those things can God does God bless his people in temporal ways in this life here and now yes he does um, but the promise again for the follower of Jesus Christ is eternity is the forgiveness of sin is reconciliation with the God we've offended all our unsaved lives with our sin it is the assurance of eternal life that cannot be lost or taken away uh, that's the good news of the gospel all right so uh, that's uh, my conversation with Joseph uh, we're gonna come back here in just a few seconds with uh, another conversation, this time with a man named Gino. We'll be right back. This next conversation is with a man named Gino. The other day I was out at the corner of Marquette and Locust, one of my favorite intersections in town for crosswalking and sign evangelism. And I was out there with my brother Roy. Roy and his family are members of our local assembly here in Davenport, Iowa. And one or two days a week, Roy foregoes eating lunch at work and takes his lunch hour to spend it with me doing evangelism on the street corner. Uh, on this particular day, a man named Gino pulled into the parking lot in his car, stopped, got out, and uh, said, hey, I see you out here all the time. And then he made an unusual offer. Uh, Gino offered to give me a cross. Uh, apparently he had a three or four foot tall cross somewhere in his house or in his garage. His wife wanted him to get rid of it. He didn't think it was right to throw away a cross or, as he would put it, God stuff. And so he offered it to me. He thought, hey, maybe the cross guy in town can make use of it. So I, I accepted the gift. I told him, hey, next time uh, you see me, if you have the cross with you, sure, I'll take it off your hands. But then I tried to transition the conversation to spiritual things. More important than uh, getting Gino's cross was getting to the gospel. Uh, but it didn't take long for, uh, for Gino to get frustrated with me and the conversation. And he ended up leaving in a huff. Well, even though it was a short conversation and even though it didn't uh, result in Gino hearing the gospel from me, uh, there are still some things we could take away from this brief encounter with Gino. So go ahead and listen to this audio, and when it's finished, we'll chalk talk it a bit. How you doing? Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm Tony. I always see you guys carrying that cross around. <laughs> I'm from uh, Texas. Are you? What's your yeah. name? Huh? What's your name? Gennaro Medrano. I'm sorry. Gino. 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 Okay, um, I'm Tony. Good, good to meet you. Um, I have a uh, cross that was made out of the wood in Texas. Oh, yeah? And I don't want to throw it away. I was wondering if you guys want an extra one. What, uh, can you tell me a little bit about it? Like what size um, or? It's probably about a little smaller, about half of the size. Um, it was made in somewhere in Mexico. I don't know where, exactly where in Mexico, but it was made out of the wood in Mexico. Is it a like a one-piece unit? A, yeah, or it's, yeah, it's circled and it's just out of the wood. Well, certainly, sir. Yeah, if you want to part with it, sure. Oh, yes. I just don't... I mean, I already got plenty of crosses at home. Yeah. And my wife's like, well, let's throw it away. It's like, no, I don't believe in throwing stuff, Christian God stuff away. Okay. So, I was thinking maybe if I ever see you guys again, I would stop by. Sure. Maybe, Feel free to. I see you. Yeah, you bet. All right. So, Gino, what are your spiritual beliefs? What 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 is it that Gino believes? Uh, believe in God. Believe yeah. in faith. Yeah. Believe in just staying healthy, I guess. Huh? You know. So, based on that, Gino, what do you think is going to happen to you when you die? Same thing as everybody else. What's that? What, what do you well, think that two, is? Heaven and hell. Okay. Okay. What you do? I agree with you. Heaven and hell. I yeah. do good, so I know where I'm going. So. Okay. So, what would be your definition of good? Uh, if I asked Gino, Gino, in your mind, what's a good person? How, how would you define that? We get too complicated into this. You know, heaven and hell, that's all it is. Okay. You do good, you do good. You do bad, you do bad. Yeah. You get to where you got to go. All right. So, here's what Jesus said. 
Jesus said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. God's standard of goodness yeah. is moral perfection. Okay, now I'm 56. I, I don't know. Okay. I'm 56. I've never... I want to be 50. Okay, you know, I, I've never lived a perfect day in my life. Me neither. Okay. I've been, I've been bad and everything too, so yeah. we're all bad. But right, all, in fact, that's what... We're, they, all, we're all defining our good and bad, and that weighs out at the end. So how... How do you how do you think that's defined? Though? Who defines that? God, who else? Right, exactly. God's God's written His law in our heart. He, he's uh, now. See, you're getting too complicated with it. Because, oh, I don't think so. No, the way I feel about it is you're. I don't know how how to say it. Um, too many questions. Okay. Well, trying to define the who I am or what I am is that what I feel? Okay. It's so just, God you, is God. God is going to create everybody. Create everybody. We're yeah. Going to be there. And the scale. Is the scale is there, you know. That's the way I look at it. The scale is there. It's going to define us, whether good or bad. So we shouldn't be asking everybody so many questions and trying to define. Like uh, I've ran into um, those holy rollers and try to come to knock your door and tell you who's God. Because uh-huh. God is God. He's either Jehovah's. He's whatever. You know. It doesn't matter who you pray to. We all pray to somebody, right? So what do you think matters more, though, Gino? No, no, no. What, what we you believe... Ask, no, you, ask, you what? answer my question. We all pray to somebody, right? Right. And there is one God. There is it only one matter, God. doesn't matter who He is or what He looks yes, like. Yes, it does. It absolutely it does. Well, what matters is what God has said about Himself. See, in the end, Gino, it doesn't... At, no, at the end, it doesn't, ma- God, it doesn't matter. Every God says one thing. It's not true, Gino. That's not true because the... Uh, the Mormon God says that Jesus yeah, is a... Gino, stay and talk, man. No. Look, there's nothing more important than your soul, Gino. You've created a God in your imagination it to suit matter. yourself. Gino, it does matter. When you die and stand before God, you're not going to say it doesn't matter, Gino. You're not going to say it doesn't matter. The God, it doesn't matter. He takes all forms. No, he doesn't, Gino. That's a lie. That's part of the God you've created in your imagination. He doesn't create... He... And hanging on the crosses, Gino, isn't going to help you, man. We're not doing the same thing, Gino. You're worshiping the God of your imagination. Not the God who created you. The God you created, Gino. All right, that was my conversation with Gino. Uh, As I told you before you listened to the audio, didn't necessarily go well. A few things I'd like to point out to you, though. There, there are some things we can learn from this conversation. Uh, the first thing is something you didn't see because you were listening to an audio, is that, like I do in almost every conversation, I begin the conversation by handing the person a gospel tract. Uh, and that's what I did with Gino. As soon as he walked up, as soon as I said hello, First thing he received was a gospel tract, and he put that in his pocket. I always try to start my conversations with gospel tracts. I I try not to end them with gospel tracts. Now, there's nothing wrong with ending a conversation that way, certainly. Uh, It's never a bad time to give away a good gospel tract. But the reason I try to give the person a gospel tract first thing, is just in case the conversation goes the way it did with Gino. Uh, Gino wasn't real happy. Gino uh, walked away in a huff. uh, And had I tried to offer Gino a gospel tract at that point, it's unlikely he would have taken it. Uh, Another thing to note, uh, you heard me raise my voice at the end of the conversation. That was only because Gino was walking away, getting into his car, and driving away. I wanted to make sure that uh, Gino was able to hear me. I wanted to make sure that Gino was able to hear me. I wasn't angry with Gino, wasn't upset, wasn't frustrated. I just wanted him to hear. And as you could tell, we were out there on the streets, or some traffic noise, uh, a lot going on. It can be difficult to hear even when you're standing right next to somebody. And so I raised my voice so Gino can hear. A couple of things I'm sure you heard from Gino. One, he was very confident that the scales of justice would tip in his favor. He 
sees God, he sees judgment as legal scales. And he's very confident that on one side, his good deeds are going to far outweigh uh, anything he did wrong on the opposite side of the scales. He asserted that he was good enough for heaven. He was, he was pretty confident of that. And so I started to press him a little bit, very, very gently, <laughs> very lightly, because uh, we were just beginning the conversation. I was trying to uh, lay some parameters in the conversation to define some terms. Wanted to ascertain what Gino, how Gino defined the word good, and then explain to him how God defined the word good. And as soon as we got to that point, uh, you could see Gino's countenance change, and you could hear uh, his voice change. Uh, a couple of things he said, uh, I believe more than once, uh, that was interesting, is that you're making things too complicated. Well, what I was sharing with Gino was some pretty simple information. It was complicated for him uh, because even in that brief conversation, I believe his conscience was pricked. And he said, I was asking too many questions. Well, I think Gino didn't want any questions asked of his faith. He wanted me just to agree with him that he was a good person uh, bound for heaven. And so when I began to press him a little bit, uh, well, Gino didn't like that. And I, and I think Gino serves as a good illustration of Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. God's Word tells us this, and I'm reading out of the ESV. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And uh, while Gino didn't stop talking necessarily, I believe his mouth was indeed stopped. Uh, even just uh, sharing with him what God's standard of goodness is, uh, Gino realized uh, that he didn't measure up. He's probably always known that, but he tries to convince himself in his own mind that he's good enough for heaven. Uh, but just by sharing Matthew 5, 48, uh, God's standard is moral perfection. Jesus said you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's God's standard of, of goodness. And Gino didn't like that. So Gino didn't give me a lot of time, as you could tell. And uh, in fact, we've been chalk-talking the conversation probably longer than it actually uh, took place. <laughs> And some might hear that and say, oh, wow, that, well, what a bust. Well, that, that was no good. Gino, Gino didn't hear the gospel. And I guess we chalk that up as a, a loss or a failure. Not at all. Uh, something I've said for many, many years, and I'll say again, the only time we fail in evangelism, presuming we're doing it biblically, the only time we fail in evangelism is when we fail to evangelize. Uh, Gino heard truth. Gino was confronted with the reality that he's not a good person, that God's standard of goodness is moral perfection. Uh, Gino, again, received a gospel tract. So if he didn't just throw it out the car window as he was driving away, or if he doesn't just tear it up when he gets home, if he actually takes the time to read it, Gino is going to hear the gospel. Uh, Gino is going to receive the gospel. But again, our role as ambassadors for Christ is to do the best we can to communicate the truth uh, to those who are lost and bound for hell as they live in denial of that truth. So it wasn't a failure. It wasn't a loss. Uh, certainly, I would have loved to have had more time with Gino, would have loved to have uh, been able to verbally proclaim the gospel to him, would have loved all the more for Gino to cry out, what must I do to be saved? And uh, repent and believe the gospel right there on the corner of Marquette and Locust. But that was not in God's providential plan. Nonetheless, seeds were planted. Now, uh, certainly at first blush, it would seem that it wasn't good soil that those seeds landed on. But who knows? God does. God knows. Again, our responsibility is to try to, to bring the person right up to the foot of the cross and trust in the sovereign God of the universe to do what he wants with that sinner. Remember, the gospel, the truth of God's word, 
in general, in the gospel specifically, is an aroma of death unto death to those who are who are perishing. And at the moment, it would seem that Gino is one of those who are perishing. But God can change that. If Gino is numbered among God's elect, Gino will be saved. Uh, while he didn't hear the gospel from my lips, he received it in his hand. Maybe uh, the Lord will allow him to read that gospel and believe it. Or maybe someone else down the road will communicate the gospel uh, to him. Uh, but we can't count that conversation with Gino as a failure or, uh, or as a loss because the attempt was made and the gospel was put into his hand. All right, that's all we have time for today. I, I hope you enjoyed these two conversations, uh, the first one with Joseph and the second one with Gino. And uh, I will look forward to uh, being with you again on the next edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. And until the nets are full, my friends, let's go fishing. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. The Street Fishing Podcast and Tony Miano's daily street evangelism efforts are ministries of Grace Fellowship Church in Davenport, Iowa. Grace Fellowship is a Reformed Baptist church that subscribes to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Visit the church's website at gracefellowshipqc.com. That's gracefellowshipqc.com. And for more information about Tony Miano's street evangelism ministry, including books, articles, videos, and audios, visit crossencountersmen.com. That's crossencountersmin.com. Until next time, and until the nets are full, let's go fishing.